Amen. Well, welcome, and good morning. Uh, this is so interesting. You think it's interesting. It's interesting seeing you like this around these tables. You know, it's, sometimes change is, is hard. Uh, what we found, found out last year when we did that series around tables is you walked in going, oh my gosh, what have we done to our church? But it's just tables and chairs. It's not that big of a deal. And when the series ended, you were going, can we do more of the tables and chairs? Because it allows you to speak with one another and share with one another. And that's the hope of this series as well. We're going to be in this series for three weeks called South City 20. And basically what we want to do is we want to talk about uh, what we want to be, who we want to be. What, what is the church for us? What does it mean to be South City? What's important to us? As you walk in every single week, you see our vision statement across the back doors. Uh, we put them in big letters. And the reason for that is because we want to make a statement. This is who we want to be. This is what we want to strive for. This is what we understand to be a biblical body of Christ, uh, living for Jesus, loving him, making him known. And that's what we want to communicate every time we walk through those doors as a reminder, this is who we want to be. In fact, this morning, I would love for us to just kind of say that together out loud. And when I say out loud, I mean loud, all right? It's going to be on the screen, I think. Is it, guys? I hope it's on the screen. Okay, here we go. We're ready. I know you guys have it memorized, but just in case you don't. Let's read it off the screen together. Ready? We exist to love God and all people by becoming authentic disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. That's our prayer. That's our desire. That's our heart. In fact, I'd love to just stop for a moment and ask that God would help us to take that thought, that process, that all that that means into our hearts and seek him just for a moment. Can we do that? Lord, you're so very good. God, we don't get to define church. As a people, we don't get to decide what church is about. Lord, we, we look to your word. We look to your definition. We fall under your desire for what a gathering of people, an ecclesia, is to be. You've shown us in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, you've shown us throughout the New Testament what it means to be the body of Christ. Lord, would you help us to, to be that, to become that, and that it, that it be deep into each of our hearts and souls individually, and that the beauty of the gospel of Jesus make its way from us individually into our family collectively. That's our heart. That's our prayer. Use this vision statement, Lord. Use your word to help us understand it more and to be who you want us to be. We ask and pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Many of you have heard the statement about Mark Twain. He said that there are uh, two really important days in a man's life. The most important days in a man's life. That's the day he's born and the day he realizes why. The day you're born, it's kind of an important day. But if you don't realize your purpose, why you exist, what's the point? And how much of our world, how much of our country are living in such a way just out of survival mode? Just get up one day and try to make it to the next. Just pay bills one month and try to pay them the next. Just try, and moms and dads with little kids, don't we? This is, that's all you see right here. In front of your face is just, how do I get from this week to next? 
But God has created us for a purpose. Let me ask this question this morning. How many of you made the choice to be born? Let's see your hands. Hmm. Nobody? Nope. Not one of us said, hey, I'd like to be born, mom and dad. Let's be born. Not one of us. And what I'm trying to show you and what I'm trying to imply is that it's above our pay grade. Right? God created us. He made us. Each and every one for a purpose. His purposes. Not ours. And if that's the case for us individually, it's also the case for us as a church. We're going to break down these three statements of our vision statement. We've, we've got those three statements on our graphic on the screen. Today we're going to talk about the fact that we exist to love God and all people. Now it's easy for you to, in, your, in this moment right where you're at, to go, yeah, I exist, right? If you just pinch yourself, or you just kind of elbow your husband or wife or whatever the case may be, it's easy to know we exist. That's kind of a, the hardest question and easiest question we're going to look at today. We exist. The harder question is how and why. Right? As a church, yeah, we exist. And so many churches get stuck in this point of going, yeah, we exist. And they don't take the steps later to find out and to push through why we exist. So, yes, we exist as a church. Uh, nobody was chosen to be born. In fact, just give a little bit of my birth story. Um, my parents, uh, they decided they really wanted three children. They always start shaking back there and kind of going like this every time I bring them up. I don't know why. But uh, they, they, they decided they wanted three children. Well, that's, I'm the fourth child. You're going, that math doesn't add up. And you're right, it doesn't. Uh, in fact, my father had had a um, reproductive surgery to uh, allow him to not conceive children anymore. They decided they were done at three. Five years later, here I come. See, it wasn't only not my choice to be born, it wasn't their choice for me to be born either. And, and here I am. Here's my point. It's the same for all of us. God is in control of our lives. He's in control of why we even exist. And the beautiful thing is, is that there's one greater than us who has made that choice for us. And he's made that choice because he loves us. From Exodus all the way to Revelation, the Bible tells us that God, the God of the universe, creator God, who spoke the stars and the worlds into place, longs to be in relationship with us. He says, I want to dwell with my people, live with them, be with them, and I want to be their God. From the beginning of the story, and there is no end, right? But, but according to the, the word, the end of the, at least the book says the same thing. I want to dwell with my people and I want to be their God. Look with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to read this out of the message. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. We've talked about this before. I've used this phrase before, not this verse. I usually use a verse in Revelations. But this verse says, before the world was created, God had us in mind. Did you know that the, the, the earth was created for us? That if the earth, you know, we're on, it's on an angle, on its axis, 
And if the earth were to tilt one degree towards the sun, we would burn up and die. Or if it were to tilt one degree in the other direction, we would freeze to death. And you tell me that God is not holding all things together, that Colossians 1 says. He's holding it all together. He had us in mind before he even created the world. He did so because he wanted us to be the focus of his love, to be made whole. How how are we made whole? Only in Jesus. How are we made holy? Only through Jesus. It's because that Jesus was the, the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world that we could be made whole or made holy. And the whole time before it was ever created, God thought about you. God thought about me. God focused his love on us. Revelations 4.11 says this, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Everything exists because of God's pleasure. He wanted to create it. He wanted to make it. He did so because he loves us. He wanted a relationship with us. The word love is a relational word, right? God focused his love on us to be in relationship with us. Did you notice he didn't create robots? You're not a robot. We don't have these robots that go around and they perfectly execute every command just perfectly. No. He didn't create slaves that he could abuse and force them to do things he wanted them to do, right? He didn't create slaves. He created mankind for a relationship to love us. And then in turn, we learn to love him. And as we learn to love him, we learn to love other people the way he's called us to love people. In fact, 1 John says that the definition of love is God. God is love, 1 John chapter 4. And then it says this, 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. We love because he first loved. Right? He loves us first, we learn what love is, and then it gives us the capacity to truly love other people. You know, when I started thinking about South City, and God was calling Brother Jerry and I to, to come together, and he was pastoring Temple Baptist Church, and, and uh, I was over at Fellowship Bible Church on staff over there, and we were praying about, what does this mean if I, we were, I were to come over here, and, and, and we were to start over, and what would it look like? And I was going through Fellowship Associates, and I remember I started thinking about a vision statement. We need a vision statement that really succinctly describes who we want to be and where we want to go as a people and as a church. And that's not easy, by the way, right? When you try and put all the things that you feel like God wants you to be as a church and all the things that you feel like your city needs and all the things that you want to encompass into a body of people into one sentence, go for it. It's not easy. And as I started thinking about it, I was reminded of the fact that, that Jesus was also asked to boil down a lot of uh, really important things into a small sentence. Look with me. This is Matthew 22. A lawyer, a Pharisee, had come to Jesus and said, he was going to trip him up. And he, he, you know, he knew there were a ton of commandments. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what's, what's the most important one? Because if Jesus would have said, well, the most important, you know, it's like he would have sort of negated the rest. But he didn't do that. Brilliantly, he says this in Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. 
Jesus says, we have 613 commands in, in the Old Testament, basically, in the Law and the Prophets. And I'm saying, love God, love people. It sums it all up. Right? Love God, love people. It'll sum it all up. You want to perfectly obey, obey and, and follow the Word of God? Love God and love people, Jesus says. So as I was thinking about what does a vision statement need to be, I couldn't help but go, well, if Jesus thinks those two things are important, they probably ought to be in our vision statement, right? We exist as a church to love God and all people. That's why we exist. It's, it's the purpose of it, uh, to love God. There's a, there's a statement. It's a Presbyterian statement of faith from the 1600s, and I just, I just love the way it reads and what it says. It's called the Westminster Catechism. And it says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I just love that. The chief end of man, in other words, man's purpose, man exists. The, the very reason you live and breathe is to glorify God. Right? And when we glorify God, we, we lift him up, we worship him. Everything that we are is focused on him. It's beautiful. There's a statement, it's all about God, to glorify God. And yet there's a, a secondary part of this phrase. Chief in the man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I love that because what it's saying is that's something about me. That I can actually enjoy God. I can actually enjoy my life in Christ. Absolutely. Do you know why? What we're saying when we say enjoy God, we're saying I know that God gives the greatest life we could ever have. I know that if when we follow God's design, when we live in his, in his world, his, his Bible, the, the direction he's given us, when we live the way he's called us to live, there is no greater life that you could ever live. There's no greater joy. I mean, we talked about this at Christmas, right? When the angel said, uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to man, he comes, he gives uh, for, for all people, of great what joy Jesus gives us our greatest joy some of you say well I don't have a whole lot of joy in my life and I want to say well how much Jesus is there how much are you focused on your direction and your plan and what you want and and survival and day-to-day -day and month-to-month -month, instead of going God I trust you I want to be obedient to you I want to follow you I want my life to be lived within the design that you've laid out in your word. And as I live that way, as I walk that way, as I interact with people that way, at least what I've noticed in my walk with Jesus is great joy. Great, great joy that, that nothing touches. Does it mean we just don't have any problems? No. Does it mean we face difficulty? Yep. But joy is something that goes deeper than difficulty. It goes deeper than problems. It's something that connects us to the Father in a beautiful, beautiful way. And we can enjoy Him when we walk and live in Him. As a church, we want to worship God. We want to glorify God. Uh, we want to obey God. In fact, Jesus actually defines love by obedience. John 14, 15, John 14, 21, John 15, 14... All say this, if you love me, obey my commands. Jesus' definition of love is about obedience. So when we say we exist to love God 
and all people. We want to be an obedient people. We want to love God with all of our heart. Notice in Matthew it says, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. It's completely uh, encompassing. With all that is in us, we want to love God and we want to love all people. We want to be obedient to Christ. What do we say when we say we want to love all people? I don't know if you notice this, but we often capitalize the word all. We talked about this in the round the other day when we were talking about emphasis. You know, you want to emphasize certain things that really stand out. We want that to stand out. There's a reason we want the word all to stand out in our mission statement. Part of it has to do with our history as a city. Part of it has to do with the racial divide within Southwest Little Rock. But we want whoever walks into this place to not make any mistake about the fact that it is important for us to love God and all people. We want to communicate that. We want to live that. We want to be a church that, that believes that, right? So Jesus says not only to love God with all our heart, souls, and minds, strength, but he says to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, which is pretty much everybody besides you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not tolerate your neighbor, not put up with your neighbor, but to love your neighbor the way we love ourselves. And guess what? You love yourself quite a bit, don't we? I love myself a lot, right? We're typically trying to eat the things we really like and, and be surrounded by comfort and have the things we really want and because we really love ourselves. And if we turned that around and we said, no, I'm going to love everybody else in the same way, what would our lives look like? What would this year look like if we said, Lord, help me to truly understand what it means to love my neighbor as I love myself? Do we even know how? I don't know. But it'd be a good thing to step into. It'd be a good thing to focus our hearts and our years upon. We capitalize the word all because we want to make an emphasis on the fact that we want to be a diverse church. We want to be a multicultural church. We want to love a black congregation, a black community, a white community, a Hispanic community, an Asian community, all people, rich, poor, all in between. We want to clearly communicate the fact that we believe that we are equal. We talked about this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, right? Paul says, when we're in Christ, we are one. We are equal. No longer Jew or Greek, nor slave or free or male or female. We are one. And can I just tell you, it saddens me to no end that the church of Jesus Christ in Little Rock is so divided. That is not God's heart. We've talked about this before, and you can study it in Acts 13. The diversity in some of the early church was amazing. Was it easy? No. <laughs> it was hard. Is it easy today? No. It still is hard. But as a church, we want to communicate clearly what we believe that God wants. Again, we don't get to define church, right? He does. And we see even in leadership of the early church, even in Antioch, as a mixed leadership. It was beautiful. And as a church, we long with all of our hearts to grow in our diversity because we believe that honors God. And that's exactly what he wants. It's interesting, Jesus later on ramps up his definition of love. When he says, not to just love 
other people, our neighbors and other people as ourselves, but to love them the way he loved us. That's a little different, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't love ourselves very well. (laughs) Sometimes we don't know how to love people the the way we love ourselves because we don't love ourselves very well. But we have an example of how to love people the way Jesus did. How did Jesus love people? He died for them. He gave everything for them. He was selfless. He was sacrificial. And Jesus says, that's the way I want you to love. That's the way I want you to care. Not even based on what you think of yourself. Based on what I've done for you. And Jesus ramps up the definition of love. Our prayer is to be a beautiful expression of the body of Christ in Southwest Little Rock. Not a church hung up on uh, our own traditions, our own cultures, uh, but becoming like Christ regardless of color or income because that's the heart of God for his church. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I I struggle with churches um, who, who are in the middle of a diverse community that are all made up of one culture. I don't believe that honors God. Now, we can't force people to come in here, right? But we can be intentional about saying what we believe. And we can go to them. We can love with all of our hearts the way Jesus loved us. And I believe if we do that well, we will be a diverse congregation. We will make a difference in ethnicity. The people will feel loved and cared for. And our focus won't be on our culture, us all looking alike, instead it'll be on the gospel of Jesus. And how it changes us from who we are into who he wants us to be. To be that one race that he made in Christ that he speaks of in Ephesians 2. That's God's heart for his church. Some people, some churches honestly have forgotten why we exist. They've forgotten. They may think it's about always doing things the way we've always done it. So we've got to be careful with this kind of thing because that... That's not what we've done before. That's, that feels strange. It's okay to feel that. But we've got to change it up. We've got to toss it up and change it up because we need to remember what does matter most. Some people think church is about them, about their preferences. And they forget that the most important thing in life is knowing and loving God. Look what Paul said to, first, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 21. He says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Do you want to know what the most important thing in life is? Do you want to know why you exist? To know God. To love God. To be loved by God. That's why you exist. And how many people miss the most important thing in life of not knowing God? God has called his people, his church, to relationship with himself, to know him, to love him. That's why we exist. Because we love him, we obey his word. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We love him as Jesus loved us. Not just the ones that we like, the ones we don't like. (laughs) Not just the ones that look like us, the ones that don't look like us. Not just the ones that vote like us, the ones that don't. Not just the ones that believe exactly the way we believe, but the ones that don't. Even the ones who despise us, who oppose us, who hate us, we love. They're our enemies, and Jesus said to love them 
It's a commandment. It's not an option. So why do we exist? What's our purpose? love this verse in Ephesians 1. Verse 11 says this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. We're going to pause just for a second. It's in Christ. It's only in Christ that we find out who we are, our identity. It's only in him that we find out who we're meant to be. It's in Christ that we find out what we're supposed to do. That's why we exist. What's our purpose in life? It can only be found in our creator. Have you ever bought a fancy piece of equipment for the yard or whatever, a, a blower or a weed eater or a mower, and you're trying to put it together, and you're like, how does this thing work? You got to go to the, the table of contents and the directions. We men don't, but um, you know, I'm speaking of women mainly. But you know, yeah, we do. We need to go to the table of contents, to the directions, and we need to go. How do I make this work? Because see, somebody made this, and they know the best way for it to operate. They know the the purpose of it. They know why it exists. And we trust, and we follow those directions. It's only in Christ that we find out who we're supposed to be. And why we live. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and in everyone. We exist, friend, individually and corporately because God chose for us to. It's his pleasure to have created you, to create this church that this church exists. But why? To know him, to love him, to love people. You know, probably the expert pastor, preacher, writer, at least in our generation, who's maybe the best at this conversation, is a guy that I respect very, very much. I love his work. I've worked with him before. I got the privilege to lead worship at Saddleback Church a few years ago and meet Rick, but Rick Warren has written one of the best-selling books of all time, Purpose Driven Life. What does it mean? What's the purpose of life? In, in those steps, he gives five different purposes. On your card, you're going to see that I've put a couple of them. And it's just interesting, as I was kind of looking through this and learning again from Rick's uh, thoughts on this, this conversation, his purpose is lined up exactly kind of with our mission statement. And I thought it'd be good for us just to kind of look at those over the next few weeks. And here's the first two. God planned me and you for his pleasure. So why do we exist? To know and love God. Here's the second thing. God formed me for family. So why do we exist? To learn to love others. Did you know that you don't learn to love others anywhere other than the church? Do you learn how to love others at work? No. School? No. Anywhere else? No, because it's God who defines love. And it's because he loves us that we now can love. And it's in the church, it's in the body of Christ that we learn how to love. We exist to love God and all people. To know and declare that our purpose, why we exist, is found in our creator and we want to follow him and live the life he has designed. Why? Because it's the most amazing life that we could possibly live. It's the best way to have joy. You want joy? 
You want peace? I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's, it's found with riches and, and wonder <laughs> that, that, is, that is something the world can give. I'm saying there is the deepest joy and greatest satisfaction in a life in Christ. If you're not feeling that right now, I just want to ask you, how's your life in Christ? What does it mean for you as we start this new year to go, God, I need joy. I want joy. I want satisfaction. I feel like there's just a hole in my soul, God, and I don't know what it is. He wants to fill that up, and guess what? He's the only one who can because he made you. There's no way for you to find your purpose apart from him. We want to glorify God. We want to enjoy him forever. And to love God means to give him all of ourselves. It's all-encompassing. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything you are. Love him with everything you are. It's all-encompassing. And to be obedient to him because that's how Jesus defines love. As a church, to love all people means to be intentional with who we want to be, to continue to declare for each other, to remind each other like we're doing today and over the next couple of weeks. What's our vision? What's our purpose? What has God called us to? Not because it's what we want, because, but because it's what the Word of God says for us to be and do. To declare God's love for every single person and His desire for His church to be unified and diverse. And can I just tell you, this is a highlight prayer for me for this year for South City. I'm praying that God would bring more diversity in our church. I'm praying that God would bring more black families into our church. I'm praying that God would bring more Latino families into our church, more Asian families into our church because we need them and we love them. We want to learn from them and we want to be representative of the body of Christ that God wants to see in South City Church, and we can't be exactly who he wants us to be until we look like what he wants us to look like. That's a major prayer for me this year, and I'd ask that you pray with me about that, would you? We exist to love God and all people. So my part is done, okay? So now what we're going to do is you're going to turn around to your table, and can I just say this? Service is not over. Service is not over. Now we want you to engage with one another as the body of Christ. On your table, I've tried to make it a little, a little easier for you. There's some questions at the bottom of that table tent on your table. If somebody at your table would take the responsibility of leadership and just kind of read through those questions and facilitate conversation, that's what we want you to do. In, in about 15 minutes, I'm going to come back up and close us for the day, okay? Engage with one another. Share this time together as the body of Christ. All right. How many of you made it past question number three? Oh, well, good. Four? Five? Six? Wow, good job. So this is not as bad as it may seem, all right? This is, this is going to be okay. Hey, I want to go ahead and invite our worship musicians to come to the stage. We're going to sing a song in just a minute uh, to close us out. I just want to say thanks for being with us today. Um, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be South City and what God's calling us to be and to do and, and to walk and to live. 
And it's so good. Just I was just in the back, standing back there, thinking about you, praying for you, watching these discussions, and, and you fill my heart. I love you very much, and I'm excited about what God is doing in us uh, as a people, as a church, in our community. What does it mean to, to, to exist in such a way that we love God and love people? You know, if we can figure this out, church, we can change the world. We can change our families, our legacies. We can change our communities. We can change our city. We can reach this world if we learn to love God with all that we are and to love people the way he loved us. That's my prayer for us as a church. And as we look at these next couple of sections of our vision statement, I'm excited about what he's going to do. I'm really excited about next week. It's the why next week, okay? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Pray. Pray with me. Father, you're so good. God, we love you so very much. We're so thankful, Lord, for the privilege to be in family together, to be in your house together, Lord. Uh, Lord, the scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord and my heart is glad, Father. I'm full of joy because of what you're doing in our church, because of these people. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that you've called us to walk life together, to be family together, to live in such a way, God, that our lives speak, that our lives scream, our lives shout of our love for you. It's all-encompassing of who we are as your people. With all of our minds, with all of our hearts, with all of, of our strength, with all of our soul, God, with all that makes us who we are, May you dwell in us in such a way, God, that, that your heart, your plans, your purposes are lived out, fulfilled in our lives by everything we do, by who we are. May we find our purpose in Christ, our identity in Christ alone. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Lord, now we just want to pray that you would build this into our lives, God, that you would just Use these things, these lessons, and all that we're becoming to make us the people you want us to be. We pray that in Jesus' precious name.